This is the third Sunday of Advent, and we have been looking at the implications of the incarnation, God with us. The first week in this series, we looked at God being with us in the storms and valleys that we face. He is closer to us now than when he was here in the flesh because he lives in us through the Holy Spirit. He is not sleeping during the storms of our life, and he will see us through them to the other side. He has the power to calm any storm or see us through any valley that we face. And we have a privilege as believers who walk with Jesus to speak that calm, to speak that power into other people's lives. Last week, we looked at how God being with us produces in us an aroma that is pleasing to God. He loves our prayers. He loves our witness, our repentance, and our sacrificial love. It is starting to smell a lot like Christmas. The theme verse for this series is Matthew 1.23. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me read you a little bit more of that story this morning from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a village of, in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I believe God got it right. He always does. But God got it right when he connected the hope of his people for a savior with the hope that surrounds a baby's birth. A parent's love for their child, even while it is still in the womb, is a beautiful picture of the love of our Heavenly Father. 
It's a wonderful picture of the longing for things yet to come. Parents hope and dream and pick names. They prepare the nursery long before the child even arrives. And as the time for the birth draws near, the anticipation grows. They pack a bag and make plans to get to the hospital. The time of the Savior's coming was near. Promises made long ago were starting to be set in motion. Israel had waited for the promised one, the Messiah, a Savior, a King, who would be in the line of David and deliver them from their enemies, a King whose kingdom would and reign would never, ever end. Finally, peace would come at last. No one, no one anticipated the mother of such a king being born to someone like Mary, a poor, humble girl from a hick town where they spoke with a bit of an accent. The angel's announcement did not come to a princess in a palace. There was no lavish gender reveal party for diplomats. This conversation happened between Mary and the angel, Gal- of angel Gabriel in Galilee. Later, when Jesus started his ministry from there, someone would say, Galilee, can anything good come from there? God often works in strange ways among people that we would never expect him to work in. To see God at work, we have always had to listen for how he reveals what he was going to do and with who he was going to do it through. God does not see as the world sees. We assume that Mary had found favor because of her worship of God. Mary, the angel said, was favored, a favored woman. We assume she honored him and followed the law. The only thing we know for sure is that she honored God with her body while she was engaged to Joseph, which says a lot about her character. Last week when we were talking about sacrifices and offering to God, we saw that God has never been interested in sacrifice and offerings for sacrifice and offering's sake. He has always been interested in the heart. God's delight was never about the smell of burning meat. The heart is what pleased him. I believe Mary was a special young lady who was special in heart and in spirit. Upon hearing the angel's news, she asked a very, very practical question. Um, Gabriel, <laughs> how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And God describes the unique way this birth will come about and the unique child that would be born to Mary. He will be holy, the son of God, and therefore fully God. He will also be born of a virgin and fully human. There was a 
social media posts that kind of made the news this week about God supposedly not asking Mary, asking her permission if she would be Jesus' mother. And the story's point was that God was some kind of a chauvinist, and he, he didn't consider Mary's opinions. Well, that's not the case at all. In fact, Gabriel didn't leave until Mary gave her consent. Let's look at it again. Luke 1.38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Agreeing that to everything that the angel described was no small matter. Mary is probably at this time between 12 and 14 years of age. That was the typical age to get engaged and married in that day. But agreeing to saying yes says volumes about her character. Mary was being asked to have a child outside of wedlock as everyone else knew it. God works in mysterious ways. It was a culture where she could have been put to death for being pregnant outside of marriage. It put her and her relationship with Joseph at risk. She had to know that Joseph would wonder what on earth is going on. It made her a target for ridicule and shame. But Mary, as one of God's children, knows that she is the Lord's servant. So she agrees to work through God's plan however he wills. She courageously faces all of these things, holding on to the promise that we are proclaiming in this series, that God will be with her. What is God calling you to? He will be with you in all things. As I look at this story, a number of truths kind of just jump off the page. I want to share those with you this morning. If you're taking notes, number one, God goes to great lengths to identify with the humble people of this world. He is the God of the universe, but God is not an elitist. Mary brings no outstanding credentials with her. There is nothing in this account that the world would say sets her apart as unique. There are no resume points that qualify for her for the job of being the mother of Jesus. But God says she is highly favored because of her spirit and her heart, not her status. How cool is it that God sent Gabriel to a humble teenage girl, to affirm her. Can you hear God speaking these words to you? Greetings, insert your name. You are favored. The Lord is with you. Or you have found favor with God. It really is true of every single person in this world. God wants to do amazing things through you. And he is, and he promises to be with you. He can overcome whatever limitations you think you bring to the table. 
you, you may think, well, who am I? Like, I'm just a normal guy. I'm just a regular gal. I think Mary probably thought those things. God made a point. He, he planned. He intentionally used the humble, the poor, the ordinary. And he wants to use you as well. Read the genealogy of Jesus, and you will see that God is in the habit of using transformed sinners. Nothing, nothing disqualifies you from being with God and having him use you to accomplish great things. Nothing. We are blessed. Uh, In this country, we are literally some of the wealthiest people in the world. Let us not forget that God uses the humble and the poor. Let's not forget that God can transform the worst sinner and use them to do his will. No matter where you are from or how humble your situation, you are not outside of the miraculous reach and use of God. We need to be people of grace. People who look for God in places where other people would, would miss him and in people where other people would miss him because God has always worked in mysterious ways. The second truth that jumps off the page is God used <clears throat> God to be used by God. You need to have the qualities that Mary displayed and Mary displayed, first of all, avail- availability. We are so busy, especially in this season. Um, it's like hunting season, football season, kids' activities, shopping to do, decorations to put up, social gatherings to go to. You still have to go to work, at least most of us do. Uh, is anybody ready for this season to be over yet? And, and for 2019, some people are like, yeah, I'm like, like, it can be good. It can be over. I'm ready for, to start the next year new. And some of you are like, you know what? This is awesome. It's almost 2019. Sometimes I wonder if we miss being used by God just because we are so stinking busy all the time. We're not available. Mary agreed to be available to God, not just for a nine-month pregnancy, but for her life. She told the angel, may everything you have said about me come true. Maybe one of our goals for the remainder of this season in 2019 should be to slow down a little bit and be available to God. And I think Mary also displayed a willingness to be a servant. As a member of the chosen people of God, Mary understood this truth. She was being set apart to be used by God as he commanded. And she said in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. She didn't say, you know what, I, I don't feel quite qualified. Uh, I'm, I'm not interested. I, I don't like the way people will probably view me. I don't want to put Joseph through all this. He's trying to run a business here, and I don't think it will look good for him. She didn't say any of those things. Her heart's desire was to serve God no matter what. I think that's why she found such favor with God. 
Her love for him was a pleasing aroma to God. And thirdly, Mary displayed a trust that God would continue to be with her. No matter what storm, no matter what valley she faced, with or without Joseph, because she didn't know how he would respond yet, she made up her mind that if God called her to this, he would be with her. The the angel didn't tell Mary all the heartache that she was yet to face. She didn't know about all the other babies that would lose their life because they were trying to kill Jesus. How would you like that on your shoulders? That she didn't know that she and Joseph were going to have to flee to Egypt. She didn't know that she would have to watch Jesus hang on a cross. I find it amazing that Mary didn't ask. She just said yes to God and trusted that he would be with her through it all. Before you become a parent, no one feels up for the task. Uh, the, the promise that God will be with you is really, really something you cling to. I remember Lisa and I used to joke before Jared was born that we kept the dog alive. So that probably qualified us to have kids. You can imagine the pressure of being asked to raise the son of God. Mess this kid up, and you mess up the salvation of the world. No pressure. Mary trusted that whatever she might be lacking, whatever the cost, God would provide through his presence. And then the last truth I want to highlight is the virgin birth has great significance to the plan of God and our salvation. Our culture has this temptation, this this desire to somehow take away the uniqueness of Jesus. Some proclaim that, you know, he was just a, a moral teacher or he was just one of the prophets. Even some biblical scholars now are wrestling with whether the virgin birth happened at all. But the virgin birth is vital to our understanding of who God is, his nature, and God's redemptive plan. And it lines up with all of Scripture. Let me just read a couple verses and kind of show you how this fits together. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, if you notice in that verse, us and our are plural, because God has always been a triune God. Like, from the first book of the Bible, it is clearly evident. Three persons in one. It's who he is as a divine being. It is also a divine mystery. So if you can't get your mind around that, don't worry. Because <laughs> scholars have been able to, haven't been able to explain it and get their minds around it for centuries. But it's who he is, and it plays into God's redemptive plan. Because the Father sent the Son, and then the Son sent the Spirit to be with us. All three people have a vital role in our redemptive work. Because the Holy Spirit fathered Jesus, he's God. 
Because he was born of a virgin, he's fully a person. And only Jesus, the God-man, could do what Jesus did for us. Look at what Scripture says in John 1.1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God, and he was from the beginning. John's Gospel also proclaims, The Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Our response to this Jesus determines where we spend eternity. This morning, I'd like us to proclaim a historic affirmation of faith in the Apostles' Creed this season to unify us together in what we believe. Would you, would you please rise as we say this together? This is the Apostles' Creed. Would you join with me? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. God, I want to pray that you would unite our hearts as we trust that, that you would be with us. The triune God, God that sent your one and only Son, that we might have life in him. And God, as we learn from Mary's example this morning, may we have the courage to be your servant and to do everything you commanded, trusting that you will be with us. In Jesus' name.